I never thought about hell until I was here. Having got here, it suits me in, in many ways. It is a little on the, on the edge of things. I think even its natives would say that. A cut price crowd, urban yet simple, dwelling where only salesmen and relations come. And across there, over the estuary of the Humber, is Yorkshire, and you can just see Hull, where Philip Larkin lives. It's a place of thunder, clouds, dark red brick Georgian streets where they survive, and steeples and domes. And beyond Hull was the North Sea. If anywhere's the end of England and the end of land, it's Hull and beyond Hull. Now then, welcome to the second part of the series, where I'm asking whole people in the arts, how's it been? It'd be easy to assume that everyone who makes a living in the cultural realm is full of despair. After a year of being unable to make and share their work with audiences, earn money from it, and having their viability brought into question by a government who, strangely, are also happy to receive billions in tax and tourist revenues from us. But not everyone sees their future in cyber. Unless that means using the power and reach of web technologies to collaborate and connect with their communities whilst we can't do it in person. As ever, artists have adapted to change and challenge and have been dreaming up brave futures in a post-Covid world. So let's hear from another two of them. First up is Annie who you'll certainly be familiar with if you've been to see productions at the East Riding Theatre in Beverley. As well as her work with her theatre company, she's recently taken up a new role with the Hey Smile Foundation. We'll hear about that and more as she tells us how it's been. I'm Annie Kirkman. I am part of She Productions Theatre Company. I'm a freelance theatre maker and creative and I'm also the I Am Fund Engagement Officer at the Hey Smile Foundation. So how has lockdown been for me? Well, it's been a mixed bag, really. I think the three lockdowns have all played their role in different ways. The first one, after losing all my theatre work, I actually threw myself into community um, volunteering by setting up a mutual aid group. So it was a completely different completely different world to to the creative one and I was it was intense and difficult and quite emotionally draining but I'm really grateful that I I kind of made that leap because it's only led me to some of the opportunities I've had since then um I managed to work alongside the council and um and eventually heard about this job at the Hay Smile Foundation. They were looking for someone to uh, work for their fund, the I Am Fund, which which connects young people with the arts. And 
and that kind of opportunity opened its doors because of my role in the community. So that was really fruitful and brilliant. Um, but I did lose my way a bit. I found lockdown. How do you, as a theatre maker, how do you navigate that? And um, she productions, we kind of went full steam ahead, created loads of online content and um, which I'm really proud of, kind of really tried to keep connected with our audiences, especially in lockdown one. Um, and, you know, some brilliant stuff came out of that. But we ultimately we make theatre and that's what we miss. We miss that live interaction, um, something that you can't recreate digitally. And, you know, we're not digital um, company. There's people out there doing incredible things that we will, you know, we can't compete with. So, although it was it was a great learning curve for us, I think it um, opened our eyes to to why we make theatre and and what we love so much about it, and that's sharing it with with other humans. We are be all all kind of saying that we. Um, we are working on an animation of one of our family musicals at the moment, The Storytellers, which is going to release um, in March in a couple of weeks. So that's really exciting. It's been a really long process, an amazing one, a huge eye-opening one. I've been working with brilliant local animator Alex Twiston-Davies and he's been a joy and taken on this absolute mammoth project and gone with it. Um, we're working with James Frewer who's doing the sound on it and yeah it's really exciting it's going to be um, a free four-part series for young people and their families to enjoy from the end of March so watch this space now looking at the arts in general as as my role um, with the I Am Fund has, has shown me you know it's I think everyone's evolved brilliantly and adapting I mean we can, we had to so I do think that this digital creating will be a huge part of that. Um, a lot of people are looking at more hybrid models of using digital and live production. And I think that's a really exciting move forward. I think we have to listen to the next generation and, and the digital world and, and respond to that because theatre theater can't really be the same. Um, I think we have to listen to our audiences. We have to make sure they feel safe and comfortable and welcome. Um, yeah, and I, I would like to think we can use what we've learned in the last year to create a more accessible world, especially in culture. We want to represent the whole society, not just a section of it, in the audience and on the stage. That's what I'd love to see. Shit, shit, shit. Hey. 21st kid live in the flesh. Listen. Now I'm free, moved on the estate. Not many blacks, so I got a lot of hate. I was that kid with a picky afro and I was tall for my age, but I didn't hold weight. Jedu Araka is a rap artist, MC, and poet. And with producer D's Kid and the Lockdown Collective, they were called that before 2020, by the way, they tell tales of working class life and growing up in Hull, North Hull, not East or West. He does this on his own terms, putting the city front and centre of his story and performing in his own Hull accent and staying true to his roots when it might have been more expedient for him to shape himself around the London grime scene. 
Before me is the rapper. Old school man used to rock them curtains. Old top boys used to flex in cap hey, He's the outsider insider. He's forged his own path and he believes that as you climb higher, you should throw the ladder down so others can follow. The pandemic did not start well for him, but that was the catalyst for a watershed year. But I'll let him tell you all about it because that's what he does, like nobody else. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you 21st Ave's finest, the Black Yorkshireman, Chedu Oraka. You know what, like, the beginning, it was a bit mad, I ain't gonna lie, like, because I sort of underestimated it, like, like everyone else, I think. I think we all thought it was just gonna be like a little two-week thing. Yeah. And we was gonna be just getting out and doing what we were doing. Uh, so it took me probably about two, three weeks to adapt to sort of this whole situation. So I picked up like running and I picked up like doing like home workouts. And I think that's what started me being able to cope with lockdown. Exercise is something I've always been into, but I've never been a runner. Right. Never really liked running. So it was like a bit of a challenge, something for me to do to beat my times and stuff like that. So that definitely was a good a good start to my lockdown, uh, and I got hit with some with some sort of I say bad news because at the time I thought it was I thought my life was crushing down beside me like literally like I, so I'd parted company with 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 the label that I was with right at the beginning of this lockdown, so that was something that I needed to do. But on the, on the flip side, I was panicking a bit, went into panic mode because I was like, oh my God, like, what's going to happen? So yeah, I'd say I was down in the dumps maybe for a week or two. And then to be honest with you, Matt, I just went into work mode in terms of writing, in terms of structuring for 2021. So I just recorded loads of demos, wrote quite a lot of songs, and just ready to structure out for, for, for this year. And I think I've been able to do so. I think if I'm going to look back, lockdown's been a good thing for me because it's given me that time to just take a step back and actually work on myself musically, work on myself in terms of branding. And I've been a busy boy, man, in 2020 leading to 2021. I released like four or five songs last year heavily involved in like the BLM movement, uh, release documentaries. Do you know what I mean? It's all been systems guy. I ain't really taken my foot off the gas. Like, to be honest with you, like, it's like lockdown. I haven't really been there, but it has been there because obviously I haven't been able to perform live. That's been the most frustrating thing, mate, if I'm honest. like I was going to say, yeah, obviously you're a performer and how important is that live connection with people there? in the same sort of space? How important is it for you to be there, eyeballing your crowd? Mate, it's the, it's the most important. You get me? Like, I feel like with artists, the certain artists that love the writing process, the certain artists that love to record, and the certain artists that love to just, like, love to be on the stage. Yeah. And I would say being on the stage is my favourite out of them three things that I've just mentioned. So for you, that's where it comes together. That's when it comes alive for you. Yeah. Definitely, man. Seeing people's faces, seeing people's reactions. There's no better buzz, mate. 
there's no better buzz. And to be honest with you, yeah, that's where you get to test out certain songs as well. Get to test out your set list. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 just fun. So fun when you're on stage. Do you know what I mean? I just I miss that so much. That has been the most difficult thing of of lockdown is not being able to perform. Yeah. There's not that invisible connection that you have when you're there with a with an audience. That just you can't recreate that, can you? You cannot, man. There's no point. Like I did like one social distancing gig at the Adelphi, and obviously it was for a great cause. The Adelphi had a massive, like they the played a massive part in my career. So it was obviously to raise money for them because obviously it's like you know the Adelphi. It's all DIY. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not funded with loads of money. So obviously I wanted to give back. Yeah. And it obviously it was nice. It was nice to do, but it just wasn't the same. Just wasn't the same as having the people like right in front of you and just, like I say, you can just see their faces and the reactions. I want to talk about your new track, Trials and Tribulations. But before I do that, I just want to, you mentioned the documentary that you, you've made called Black Kings of Bonhole. You've made it with Bax Mondoba. A lot of people will know mm-hmm. Bax from um, Bud Sugar. And I love what Back to Hours do, but I just found it incredibly powerful that, Basically, you talked to Bax in episode one about your life growing up. Mm. But part two is where you, you confront really powerfully the killing of Christopher Alder in police mm. custody. This is 22 years before the killing of George Floyd, which obviously kicked off the BLM protests last June. Um, mm. I thought it was an incredible piece of, of filmmaking. I want to know about what was it like to make those, those, those documentaries and what's the impact of everything that's happened since last June been on you know, for you? You know what? It's probably one of the best things I've ever done, if I'm going to be honest. Like, to be able to just take a step back and actually talk about issues and things that have happened in my life that I've never talked, I've ever spoke about. Do you know what I mean? There's people who are going to be watching these films and thinking, whoa, like, didn't even know that about Chedu. Because I'm such a confident, quite imposing character, people have never seen this sort of vulnerable side of me before. And yeah, man, it was it was it was therapeutic, man. Like, if I'm going to be real, obviously, I got to make it with with a guy who who I've become like really good friends with. Uh, we've been on the music circuit for years together in Hull, and it was just great for us to be able to create this fantastic bit of content, which was very much needed. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no point sugarcoating that the whole BLM movement has been massive over the death of George Floyd. Like, that's what ignited the fire in a lot of people. And obviously lockdown played a, a big part of that. Like if we wasn't in lockdown and George Floyd died, it wouldn't have been as much of a big deal as it was because people would have been getting on with their normal lives. It would have been, oh, what another black guy killed by the police in America. That's what people would have thought. We would have all been just getting on with our jobs and going day to day, do you know what I mean? And doing doing whatever. But it because we're in lockdown, we've had time to actually sit and reflect and go over our traumas and, and do you know what I mean? And go over, and, and go over like, yeah, just go over like a full lifetime, even more than a lifetime of injustice of black people. Do you know what I mean? Like we've been able to just reflect and sort of educate ourselves. Even I've educated myself, do you know what I mean? As a black man. So yeah, man, it was fantastic. And I thought to myself that in 2020, with this huge emphasis on BLM, I thought to myself, like, what can I say that I did? What impact did I have? And I feel like this documentary is what me and Bax have basically done towards fighting the cause. 
of injustice towards black people. It's a terrific testament. I, I knew about the Christopher Aldo killing, but I didn't know the details, and I certainly didn't know that mm. that, that CCTV footage existed. I'm going to put a link to it. I'm going to suggest that everybody sees these films. They're absolutely, they're sort of devastating. And yet there's something kind of hopeful about it. There's something forward looking about it. But did you know the details of the case before you spoke to Janet, before you made the films? Yeah, it's something that I knew about probably between me, like Bax were even mind admitting this, but he didn't really know about that much. He knew obviously Christopher got killed but he didn't know in depth. But this is a case that I knew about as, as, a, as a youngster growing up. It was a subject that was spoken about a lot in our household. My mum knew Christopher. Christopher used to go to the uh, Race Equality Council where he used to see my mum and my uncle Dennis and stuff like that. So I knew from young, and me being a bit of a scallywag myself mm-hmm. as a youngster, my mum used to always say, like, you don't want to be the next Christopher Older, like, be careful when you're out on these streets messing about because once you get taken into custody, these police have got no regards for black people. So that was heavily drummed into me. And then with the whole body swapping incident, Mm. Grace Kamara used to actually babysit for me and my sister. Really? So we knew heavily growing up, me and my sister, about about that case. And that's why I I was so passionate. Uh, Me and Bax were so passionate about that footage of him in the in the foyer being in the film because we wanted people to know we wanted it wanted it to hit home hit hard it absolutely did i mean there's the whole story about grace kamara the fact that they buried the wrong body which is just mm. it's just unbelievable and one of the lines that christopher's sister janet um says that really stuck with me is that he was killed at queen's gardens police station in the shadow of the wilberforce monument anybody who knows oh, yeah. who knows where that is and Queen's Gate, yeah. it's not a police station anymore, but just the kind of the kind of poignancy of, of that fact. And that, that that really sort of haunted me. Um did that feed into the trials and tribulations track? Uh, maybe, maybe. But when I wrote that track, I was just thinking about my own experiences growing up as a as a young black boy in, in Kingston upon Hull. I grew up with a chav mentality. From a young kid, I lost my sanity. I was lost and I didn't have clarity. In a bubble, no need for reality. You can't be mad at me. Where I come from, it goes down like gravity. No self-love, no one knows about vanity. But I was rare, and I didn't fit right in. Always had a screw face, never had a grin. Up and down my street like I played on the wing. I was that leader when everyone was dim. So much shit that I took on my chin. You couldn't last one hour in my trainers. In the 90s, with this colour as your skin. I'm still here. I was reading a bit about what you said about the making of it, and it said that you've kind of dug deeper creatively and emotionally to, to write this particular song. And in terms of ambition, mm. the, the film that you've made to go with it, it's just the whole sort of package is, you've kind of set yourself a new level. Is that something to do with lockdown or were you hoping to sort of do something a little bit different with how you went about things and how you approached making your, your art? This song was so personal to me that I had to create a video that could stand side by side with this track. There was no way I was gonna be able to bring out any normal sort of video. It had to be something deep. It had to be something that just fitted the narrative of, of the track. And like I say, it's a very personal track. I'm talking about things that I've never really opened up about. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm talking about near-death experiences. I'm talking about racism. I'm talking about growing up in sort of a gang culture, what we don't normally necessarily talk about in Hull. Like, we're, we're not normally known in Hull for sort of gangs. 
And when we was growing up, like we didn't think it was a gang, but looking back, it is a gang. Do you know what I mean? And obviously we know like sort of certain crimes are on the up, like knife crime and stuff like that. But back in them days, they want knife crime. Do you know what I mean? And no 16, 17 year old kid should have to be driving down any street at 100 miles an hour, taking their friends to hospital because he's been stabbed. No one should have to go through that. No one should have an experience where you go to the toilet with your friend and then next minute you're getting beaten up to, a, to, to the pulp where you, you could die. Do you know what I mean? And I felt like these are the stories what I've never really told in my music. So I felt like, you know what, 2021, I'm taking this music to a different level. So you are going to get all of me. Trials and Tribulations of CEO is just a little segment of the Chedo Araka story, like just a little, a little teaser. There's so much more. You've refused to kind of compromise in terms of that you sing in our accent, that you talk about, you, you don't really make concessions to kind of the hip hop or grime scene or what might be expected of you. You kind of, mm. you've, you've done things on your own terms, mm. which is, I think why it's so distinct because nobody's mm. been really talking about the black experience in Hull. Um, yeah. I just want to look forward a bit now. You said you've resolved to, to make 2021 a year like no other. What are your sort of plans going forward? And is Trials and Tribulations of CEO, is that kind of the starting point? Do you know, like for me, going forward in 2021 is to be undeniable, mate. Like everywhere you're going to see my face. Like if it's not a documentary, if it's not a song, you're just going to be seeing the Black Yorkshireman, like, literally, I'm making sure this year I own this year because moving forward, I want to be massive. And I know that's everyone's dream, but I want to be huge, do you know what I mean? I want to make this music an actual job. Mm. I want to be able to compete with some of the these names that everyone talks about. And why not? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just because I'm from Yorkshire, like, it is going to take me longer. Do you know what I mean? I'm a little bit older than some of these top guys in the game at the minute, but my journey's been different to theirs. And I think that's my strength. So like my goals and my aim is to really put Hull on the map in black music culture, not just indie bands. Do you know what I mean? Not just guitar centric music. Do you get me? I've got a full movement. I've got a team. I've got kids who look up to me. And I've got a responsibility to be a real trailblazer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's a lot of young kids who, who look up to me. There's a lot of young kids who are trying to pick up the pen and are in their bedroom now writing raps and I'm trying to show them the right way. I'm glad that you mentioned about me doing it in a whole accent and me talking about whole things because that's what's going to make me stand out. You hear some rappers in Hull talking nonsense like they grew up in South London because they feel that, that they're going to be accepted if they, if they rap like that or speak like that. But... I'm unapologetically me. I'm unapologetically Yorkshire. I'm unapologetically black. I feel like I'm a bit of a misfit in the scene, in like the the, the commercial black music scene, because like I say, 90% of it's from London. A few exceptions, a few Brummie lads killing it, a few Manchester boys killing it, but no one's done it from Yorkshire. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like you say about the black experience, my black experience is like no other. So it's for me to show the world about, about Hull City and about Norfolk and about the Black Yorkshireman. I plan to release at least two EPs. That's my plan for definite. All different types of sounds. People say, oh, what's your genre? What do you make? I always say I make UK rap-based music mm -hmm. because I rap on all sorts of different tempos. 
so definitely two EPs. Definitely want to try and bring some nights back. So we, we've brought some quite heavy hitting grime guys to Hull. We bought our last event was we brought Jammer to the Adelphi. If you want to know about Jammer, just do your research. Like one of the forefathers of grime. We brought Devilman, probably the godfather of Birmingham grime. We brought Manga Saint Hilaire, who was in that was in probably the most legendary grime crew called Roll Deep. So that's all I can give you at the minute. But yeah, just expect a lot because obviously, like we say, we're in we're in like quite indecisive times. You know what I mean? Anything can change. Anything anything can happen. Yeah. But that's my plan. Definitely two EPs, two little bodies of work. You're gonna be yeah, just really taking over and looking to even have a stronger 2022. Just last couple of quick questions. What change do you hope to see in your industry? Um, people are talking about change generally in different areas of life and work. In the, the world that you operate in, what changes do you want to bring and do you want to see? More inclusion. So I want to see black people in, definitely in positions of power. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the only way we're going to be able to just make sure things are done properly. End of the day, like black culture and black and hip hop music, grime music, it's the most popular music in the world, but it's still heavily run by people, in my opinion, that don't really care about the culture. I'd love to, when I say diversity and, and, and stuff as well, I'd love to see more artists from, not from your usual places, prosper and shine and be given the right opportunities. Uh, big thanks to Chedu and Annie. Have a look at the Black Kings Upon Hull documentary. It's really, really good. And uh, you can find it on the Back to Hours YouTube page. And the Storytellers, She Productions online family musical, that's also out now. That's available to watch uh, for free via their website. And that's it for now. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, come back and join us for the next one. <laughs>